This is the Read Your Bible Podcast, the daily podcast designed to help you understand and apply the scriptures. Nothing will grow your relationship with Jesus Christ more than studying the Bible for yourself. I'm your host, Drew Tankersley, and for the next few moments, I want to invite you to join me as we dive into God's Word together. We'll ask God to help us see what He wants us to see so that we can be who He wants us to be. It was in theology proper, my first semester in seminary, that I first learned about what I call the dynamic tension of God's attributes. It was very helpful for my understanding of the nature of God. I've mentioned it on the podcast before, and it's this idea that God's character exists in dynamic tension. It is reckless to have a God who is all-powerful and not all-knowing and pointless to have a God that is all-knowing and not all-powerful. Well, in Amos chapter 9, we see the dynamic interplay of this tension in brilliant detail, and it should incite hope for us today. Our time in Amos is not at all comprehensive, so I want to encourage you to watch the overview video that's included in the one-story reading plan. It will help you understand the book so much better than the one chapter we're able to cover in today's reading. I'll link the video to the show notes for today's episode. But for now, let's look at Amos chapter 9, verse 11 and 12. In that day, I will restore the fallen booth of David. I will repair its gaps, restore its ruins, and rebuild it as in the days of old so that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the nations that are called by my name. This is the Lord's declaration, and he will do this. Amos was a shepherd who lived on the northern border of the southern kingdom of Judah amid the nation of Israel's sin. You'll recall that Israel and Judah had split after Solomon's reign, Judah was in the south, Israel was in the north. Amos lived in the northern region of southern Judah, and he travels to Israel to speak out against the king of Israel at that time, who was a man named Jeroboam II. Now, he was a successful military leader, but despite his success, Amos travels north to call out injustice by the leadership of Israel and speaks of the nation's ruin in the days ahead because of their idolatry. Isaiah, Amos, and Hosea are contemporaries, and all three of them are saying the same thing at the same time. They are all exposing Israel's sin and calling on the nation to repent in the wake of God's judgment. The law requires that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word should be established. And with all of these three prophets speaking against Israel, God, according to the law, is formally warning them of their impending danger. Amos' prophecy is pretty straightforward. God is going to rain down destruction on Israel with mighty power. The way Amos so powerfully and emphatically describes the judgment of God is really majestic and awe-inspiring. No one will be able to escape this judgment. We see this fantastic display of the power of God behind the covenant promises of Israel. Even after Israel has gone whoring after other gods, even after they have fully forsaken him, God's covenants of blessing and cursing based on their treatment of him are still in effect. 
Their conduct has incurred God's judgment, and the passage makes clear that no one will escape God's hand. This chapter underscores the power with which God enacted those promised covenants. The way the grammatical structure of the early part of this chapter reads is quite interesting. It reads, The Lord, the God of hosts, he who touches the earth and it melts, and all who dwell in it mourn. All of it rises like the Nile and subsides like the Nile of Egypt. He who builds his upper chambers in the heavens and lays the foundations of his vault on the earth. He who summons the waters of the sea and pours them out on the faith of the earth. Yahweh is his name. The power of God is on full display as we consider that when our God touches the earth, it melts. Our God builds his chambers in the heavens with its foundations of his vault on the earth. Our God summons the waters of the seas and pours them out on the face of the earth. You know, water is the only substance that humans can't generate. Only God can do that, and he pours it out on the earth. His name is Yahweh. The Lord sets his upper chambers in the heavens and the foundations in the depths of the earth. He rules and owns all of it. Consequently, even though they try, there is no place to run from God's judgment because he owns and inhabits every inch of it. Yet amid such judgment and wrath, God promises a yet future restoration of the fortunes of his people Israel. Significantly, he calls them his people even though they have run away, even though they have gone after other gods, even though they have committed adultery against him, he still will keep his covenant to them. Historically, we know that 150 years later, all of these things come to pass. God raises up Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, and the people are carried into captivity, just as God said they would be. And then 70 years later, under Ezra and Nehemiah, they return just like God said they would. Even still, the story continues. The people rebel, and though they follow him in name, their hearts have fallen away from him. The words of Malachi tell us this. 400 years after this, God himself, Jesus, would come and die for the sins of the people. Yahweh would indeed restore the fallen booth of David. The booth was a temporary structure erected for the king on the battlefield. And God promises to restore the kingdom of Israel during battle. He promises that God will restore this kingdom from captivity. It's the Lord's declaration. That is, he would restore the kingdom of Israel. And he did this in several iterations in the Israel's history. But eventually, God will reign over spiritual Israel from the new Jerusalem that was to come. A nation that included a remnant of those from other nations who had placed their trust in him as their king. He says, I will repair its gaps, restore its ruins, and rebuild it as in days of old. Verse 12, so that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the nations that are called by my name. This is the Lord's declaration. He will do this. You see, it isn't just that he would restore it. He would restore it through battle. That's the reference to the fallen booth. And he will repair the gaps, restore its ruins, meaning that he will build up what 
he himself has torn down as judgment on their sins and rebuild it to its former glory. The Lord will do this. Now what's incredible about this is that these are the verses used in Acts 15 when the Jewish leaders at the church at Jerusalem recognize that God is bringing Gentiles, other nations, into his church. This action was the gathering of the spiritual Israel, the beginning of that. They are the nations that are called by his name, spoken of in Amos 9. And what's incredible is James, the half-brother of Jesus, quoted these verses voicing his support of God's work in taking from the Gentiles a people for himself, Acts 15, 14. In a very real sense, God was going to bring in Jews and Gentiles into a yet future spiritual kingdom where he would reign as the mighty king on David's throne in the new Jerusalem that is to come. Now, as we apply these things, the prophecy of Amos teaches us a fundamental truth about God. God's power is unmatched and nothing can stop it. He's all powerful, but that power is governed by his word and his character, a character that is faithful to his promise. You see, these ideas exist in dynamic tension. The only thing that controls God's power is God's character, and we should rejoice in this. Can you imagine how incredibly explosive and cataclysmic it would be to have a God who is all-powerful but not restrained by the goodness of his own character and the wisdom of his omniscience? God's character governs his power, and we should rejoice in that fact. The only thing that can stop the decisive judgment of God on the people of the earth is him being true to his own word. His covenant with Israel that he set up and instituted and promised here in Amos 9 is what stays his hand of judgment on them. And honestly, that's the only thing that stopped their complete annihilation. And it is his faithful love and compassion that preserves a spiritual remnant as his inheritance. On the cross, God pours out his wrath on our sin. And because of Jesus' work on the cross and God's faithfulness to his character and his covenant, the judgment is transferred to Christ as our substitute, the sacrificial lamb instituted in the Old Testament. It is not that our judgment has been removed. Because this line of thought is not consistent with a just God who must punish sin. But our judgment has been placed on Jesus Christ once and for all. This gospel both expiates God's wrath and extends God's grace to sinners who will trust him. It's the dynamic tension of his attributes. And it is his covenant faithfulness that gives us courage and faith for a future blessing as part of God's coming kingdom. God is a God who keeps his promises, promises of judgment upon sin and promises of grace and mercy to those who repent and follow him. And it is his faithfulness to these promises that give us faith that God will finish what he started. So Jesus, your gospel plan is so incredibly brilliant with all of its foreshadowings. And beholding such beauty should give us confidence that you are still at work accomplishing this even today in us. Lord, we marvel at your beauty 
and order and design in your plans. They are incredible, unique, and inspiring of awe and worship. So how do we approach a God like this? We love you. We submit to you. We trust you. Help us to love you more, submit more to your plans, trust your plans even more. Thank you for showing us such a beautiful display and peeling back the curtain for us to see what you were doing and your incredible plan. What a vision of beauty these plans are. Even so, come and bring them to pass. We ask this in your name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today for the Read Your Bible podcast. For show notes to today's episode, please visit readyourbible.info. While you're there, you can listen to past episodes as well as access a host of additional resources designed to help you grow in your faith. It's all there for you at readyourbible.info. That's readyourbible.info. For more information about South Seminole Baptist Church, just go to southseminole.com. Join us again tomorrow as together we help you learn to read your Bible.